0: um hello welcome back to the podcast so today we're joined here with dominic from red leaf exotics so how are you doing dominic
1: hi guys i'm doing really good
0: so um tell me a little bit about yourself and like your company and stuff like that
1: okay um so my name is dominic ravine i'm 33 i started growing carnivorous plants uh specifically nepenthes when I was age thirteen, that was twenty years ago. So, been growing and collecting them for a while, and just four years ago, um, I started Red Leaf Exotics. We specialize in tropical pitcher plants or nepenthes. We grow some other carnivorous plants as well, but that's pretty much me. I love nepenthes. Uh, red Leaf is great. I've been uh, really happy growing all of the nepenthes that I've ever desired. It's such a rush. And that's pretty much me.
0: (laughs) That's super cool. So uh, what is a carnivorous plant and like, how do they work? Do they eat insects or what do they eat?
1: So carnivorous plants, most of them come from areas with very poor soil quality. So they've developed and evolved ways to find things like nitrogen through their leaves. Um, And they've developed traps And mechanisms to catch insects sometimes small rodents um they capture them digest them and that is how they get their nutrition they're not really living in their roots
0: that's crazy so they can eat actually like small animals
1: yeah um beside us i did find two mice in one of our pictures before um, and a lot of our friends, especially Exotica plants in Australia who grow the largest plants there are, um, their plants commonly you spill them out and just like mice come out of them casually. So,
0: That's crazy. Yeah,
1: it really is.
0: So, what are like a few of the main types of carnivorous plants? Obviously, there's the Nepenthes, which you specialize mm-hmm. in. Are uh, there any other ones? There are
1: also the really uh, well known, the Venus fly traps. Um, oh, yeah. beyond that there's another one the sundews or Drosera, and they get these little round or long leaves and they're covered in hairs with a little dew drop on the end so when you touch them they're super sticky um and the bugs kind of get stuck on their leaves and they curl up or just um wait for the insect to die and absorb all the nutrients they need through those tentacles um really cool um hmm. warts, they're kind of like They almost look like succulents and they grow in swampy areas and they lay their leaves flat on the ground and they're almost like fly paper. They're very sticky. So that's how they catch their prey. Uh, What else is there? Nepenthes, sarsinia, the Native American pitcher plants. They just produce trumpets that come straight up out of the ground and kind of um, lure their prey with scent and beautiful colors. So those are some of the main varieties that there are.
0: That's very cool, so, um you specialize in the Nepenthes, and how do the Nepenthes catch their prey? So you said they're a pitcher plant. Um, yeah, so how does that work?
1: So just like the name suggests they th- the ends of the leaves have this beautiful it almost looks like a a string first, a tendril, and then on the end, this big pitcher blows up um that resembles like a pitcher of water, and the water inside of them is actually digestive enzymes. um, And they have a a lid and a beautiful display around the opening of the pitcher called a peristome. And they attract with color, scent, um, scent and color to to the main ones that attract the bugs to them.
0: Hmm. And then the bugs just fall in and get digested?
1: Yes. uh, The lip that is around the pitcher edge or the peristome is very slippery and it has a ton of rib- ribbings going around it. And when the insects on there are climbing around, it just kind of directs them right into the pitcher itself. Um, but yeah, really interesting how they, they kind of don't do anything yeah. but sit there, but they have all. Their-
0: yeah. That's really crazy. Yeah. Um, what are like the basic care guides of them? Is this like a humid plant or is it more of like a desert type plant? And like, how would you get started if you wanted to grow Nepenthes or other carnivorous plants?
1: Um, I would say Nepenthes are probably, they are on the higher end um, of humidity levels. Like they love super high humidity in order to grow their best, produce those colorful pitchers. So I would say a good humidity level for in-home would be 65, 70%. Um, 80% is really the sweet spot, but a lot of people have mm-hmm. difficulty achieving that inside unless they had a grow tent or a terrarium. But they really do like um, very high humidity. Um, they don't like dry air a lot of times. when people do bring them inside, if they're growing them outside in the summer, um, in the winter, they will stop producing pitchers because it's really it can be really hard. Um, just on a windowsill with a heater in the house to keep that humidity where the plants actually really like it.
0: Yeah. And these plants, um, do they also photosynthesize or is it mainly or is it mostly just the carnivorous part in eating insects?
1: They definitely uh, photosynthesize too. Um, a lot of times um, some of the plants could be out of the picture and not have any, and when that's happening, they are getting their, their food through photosynthesis.
0: All right, cool. So where would you buy a pitcher plant or any other carnivorous plant? Redleaf
1: exotics. (laughs) Hello.
0: um, No, That's your place, right?
1: Yeah. Well, we specialize in Nepenthes, really. We do sell some Drosera and stuff here and there, but honestly, Nepenthes all the way. But as far as like Venus flytraps, Sarcinia, there's a, a ton of places you can go. There is Sarcinia Northwest in Oregon or Washington, I believe, and they specialit specialize in more of the temperate plants like Drosera, uh, Sarcinia, butterworts. Um, there's Jeremiah Harris. He is a private grower, but also sells a ton of flytraps and just a little bit of everything. Um, those are the two I think can think of off the top of my head. But there are quite a few nurseries. Um, if you Google, that do sell these other kinds of plants.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. I never thought about how widespread this hobby is and besides just like the Venus flytraps and like school classrooms and things like that.
1: Yeah, it's really, the hobby has really grown. And now with social media, there's just like little nurseries popping up everywhere. Um, They're becoming uh, more in demand even now, especially with, uh, corona, people are finding new hobbies, and they're getting into carnivorous plants, and the hobby itself has really blown up in the past couple of years. I love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's super cool. So, um, how do
1: you propagate your plants, or do you buy them straight from the wild? So, never get anything from the wild today. <laughs> um, we get all of most of our plants um, from Exotica Plants in Australia. And a lot of people that follow us know um, EP, they're the world's greatest Nepenthes nursery. Their pictures are so big, you could put your hands in them. Um, I actually turned into a business when I visited them. I was so inspired months later. I'm like, I need to do what they're doing because it's great. Um, crap, I completely forgot the rest of the question because I still-
0: Oh, so how do you uh, like propagate them and- <laughs> Do that? EP
1: gets me so excited, completely sidetracked. Um, so we mainly get them from them, a lot of plants. We import them, resell them, we do pre-orders. We are now creating a lot of our own in-house hybrids, which have been selling, and I love the parents. It's so fun to pick your own parents. Um, and we also do cuttings. Um, a lot of our the Nepenthes, they vine, they get very tall, some of them, and we cut them up. And just make a lot of cuttings. So that is how we do everything mainly. We do not do any tissue culture. Um, it seems to be really popular today, but we definitely believe in the, you know, the old school, take cuttings, grow them from seed, mm. and everything here is seed grown or cutting. So that's how we propagate.
0: That's super nice. So how do you make your hybrids? So you'll have the two parents and how do you uh like I don't know. You can probably explain it better, but how do you like move the spores and things like that from one parent to whole another? The breeding
1: process is just so fun. I love it. Um, so you have to have... Uh, Nepenthes are dimorphic sexually, so you have to have a male or a female plant um, in bloom at the same time. That's what makes them a little tricky, and that is why it's actually taken this long to start getting some of these hybrids. Um, male and female in bloom at the same time, I usually will pick the male flower with the pollen on the end. Um, I will wait for the female to be receptive. Usually it takes a few days for the flower to fully open. It will glisten. It kind of smells. Um, and I do it at night. There's something about nighttime I feel that works better. I feel like they're more receptive, the scent is stronger. Mm-hmm. So I'll take my pollen. I will dab it on the female end. I will, with a um, the little metal plant ties I will mark off sections what I'm breeding in that section and usually maybe it takes six months for the seed to ripen and uh, start sowing it and that's how we breed them I love um picking the parents like that one is really round and striped that one's super red it's kind of like making art you never truly know what you're gonna get but you can get an idea um That breeding is really, really, really fun.
0: Mm. So uh, you said that you have to sow the seeds. Where do you get the seeds after you uh, put the pollen on the flower?
1: So once you pollinate the flower, the female will start to expand the female part of the flower. It'll probably get an inch long. And then it will slightly turn brown. And this is after a month's time. Um, I usually go around and kind of squeeze the pod if it's been on there a really long time. And if it gives me like a little crack, I'm like, okay, I'll harvest it. But you will, when you open the pod, there's hundreds of seeds in there and they're very thin with a little circle in the middle. Um, In the wild, they usually blow through the wind and land in trees or whatever. But that's how I get the seeds. And then I will plant them on peat moss or sphagnum moss have to stay misted at all times and they have to be on the soil surface too um they don't get planted under and just keep them super moist good light and usually in eight weeks they sprout
0: that's super cool so from the time that you pollinate the flower how long will it take to get like a pitcher From that little baby.
1: So I would say your first pitcher that could be so little. People actually love seeing the tiny, the little tiny ones. It's, they're kind of funny looking. Um, I would say, let's see, six months to pollinate, get the seeds, plant it eight weeks. Um, Hmm. I would say a little over a year.
0: Hmm. Yeah. That's cool. So, it's a pretty long process it, for these it plants. It
1: really is. It takes close to three years, I would say two and a half, three years to get a plant up to selling size. Huh. Yeah, very slow, but it, it is really fun.
0: That's super cool. Yeah. Um, I think that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us yeah, here well, and awesome. have a good day. You too. Thank you. All right. See ya. Bye
1: bye.